This isn't just beer. This is beer longing. Every month we're talking about beer, beer culture, our adventures and discussing the topics that are reverberating around the beer community. This is Belonging. I'm Steve and as always I'm joined by my co-hosts Mark and Rob. Welcome gentlemen, how are you both doing? Hello, I'm well. good evening, I'm, well. I'm doing very well. That's great to hear. Let's mm. dive straight into our first beers. From the shelves, from the shelves, from the shelves. These are the ones that we send each other every month. Uh, and I want to get straight in because I poured mine a few minutes ago and the aroma <laughs> coming off of it is is just it's enticing me in. Uh, and I can't wait to get into it. So I'm I'm not going to go first, having given it that great <laughs> introduction. Um, in, instead, Mark, I'm going to I'm going to come to you. What are you drinking this month? I was, I was very thrilled to be sent uh, a bit of from Rob. From Atatic, let's call them (laughs) let's call them Attic Ruko to give them their actual name uh, from his neck of the woods. But it is the uh, Brave Noise collaboration that they've oh cool yeah, um, and which I was absolutely thrilled about. Um, I bought I bought it a while ago, and I thought "Mm, it's it's quite hazy and looks a bit thin, and I, I I wasn't too sure about it. But I don't know if but like. What Attic's normal style is not ha- uh, loads well, of their beers. I was expecting it to be hazier than it was, given like the the style of beer that it is for them. But like I don't know, they brew a lot of different styles. Yeah, yeah, it's not super but, hazy. It reminds yeah. me a bit of like what Sonoma's like now in a can. It's like mm. almost thin looking haze, but I don't actually mean that as a, a as an insult. But it smells fantastic. Sounds like one. Well, it's very, very, very pineapple, a bit of cantaloupe on there. But I have already had a couple of sips of it because I couldn't wait. And it's <laughs> absolutely delicious. It's five, six, but it's really. And when I when I say thin bodied, but I don't mean that. I just mean that everything's perfectly well balanced, which makes it, it mm. makes it scarily pintable for a, a five point six. I thought it'd be interesting to uh, try another one of the Brave Noise beers because obviously it, it does contain our favourite hop, Sabro. And again, it's another beer that I, I had it, what day is it today, Tuesday? I had it, I had it Sunday and I did really enjoy it actually. And I didn't get the, the like the coconutiness that I have had from Sabro Pale Isles that I've had in the past. Now, there's something that very much of the lilt about it, but that sounds mm-hmm. a bit cliche. And I thought that's probably the Sabro, but it's it is um, it, it's not alcoholic lilt, but it is at the same time, and it's really really tasty, and it's not going to last very long. So I'm really pleased that we've had another brave brave noise beer on the podcast, and I'm really glad that I've just been sent a tasty beer. So, Rob, what have you got this month? Um, I have got a beer that we'll definitely talk about a little lighter as well, but I've got a beer from um, McColl's Brewery, and it's their Lowlands Hoppy Pale Beer. And uh, 
It is. It's it's a delicious beer. It's, it falls somewhere in between an IPA and then like the dryness of a, a saison, and it's just extremely refreshing, extremely pintable. And oh, I don't know what hops are in it. I'm guessing the, the okay, yeah. So Hollow Blanc and Galaxy hops. So you got that mixture of um, new and old world hops. And yeah, it's it's nicely carbonated, and it's delicious, which I think I'm saying for the second time. So yeah, it's nice. Like you said, mate, I don't think that's going to be the uh, the the last time we talk about that beer tonight. Nope. And and I think it'll, it'll probably come to, to to light a little bit later on why uh, I'm going to say that I sent you that, but mm-hmm. I I handed it to you across a table. And yeah. I I Save didn't buy it either. The the, the, the brewery the, the brewery gifted that to us. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, oh, it's oh. a share between us. Oh, hashtag ad. Hashtag gifted. <laughs> no, no, we all got one. Right. Yeah. Mark okay. took one home as well. Oh, and, did he? All right. Yeah. Cool. And and it, it might it might not be the only time it's appearing on this month's show either. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but no, that that, that it is a, it is a stunning beer. But I I I want to talk about that later on. Yeah. That that that, that was the first beer I, I ever had from McCall's as well. So it's a good one to start with. Steve, what have you got? <laughs> I have got a beer from Track. Um, it's called Izar, but yeah, I, I, I want to pronounce it Azar because that's <laughs> what it just makes me want to say yeah. that. Um, it's a and it's a Hoppenweiss, um, 5.7 percent Citra and Eldorado. So it's a what is it they say on the side of the can? It's a mightily hot German wheat beer, and it's delicious. Well, that's good. I love Hopfenweiss as a style, and there's I don't know why it's not been taken up by more breweries. Um, you know, especially I mean, we see like Belgian IPAs, and there are some similarities in it, but I don't know why Hopfenweiss isn't more of a popular. Schneiderweiss's Hopfenweiss is one of my top ten favorite beers in the world. And then you know, like when Cloudwater first came out, they were producing Hopfenweiss's. Siren released Nacken annually, and it's an absolutely superb beer. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, Hopfenweiss. I absolutely love that. And it'll be something different to send to Steve. So. It's it's a very unique style. I think if I was to search my untapped now, I'd probably find the only other times I've drunk this style of beer are the two that you've just mentioned, the the, the Nacken from Siren. And I remember way back drinking an early Cloudwater version as, as well when they were still very young and still still had things in bottles that sort of thing but it's yes it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting style because i mean initially you do get like you get the wheatiness on 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 the nose almost like a sort of like dusty little bit of walk going on in the background as well that you can you can smell there but then on on the flavor it comes through really juicy um, I mean, it's really juicy. It's like oranges, pithy orange, and then a little bit of stone fruit, and then it it just hits you with this this little hint of bubble gum on the finish that that's just there. And it's almost like you know when you've had chewing gum in your mouth for a while, and it starts to leave that kind of flavour. It's that that's what the the that's how it finishes, if if that makes sense. Absolutely, because I was a bit. It, it actually got better as it settled as well. Because I mean, it's basically hoppy wheat beer. Um, if you want to just break it down to that, and the Schneider Weiss is obviously really 
um, the epitome of that. And when I first started tasting that, I thought, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit New England IPA with a bit of a a wheat bit, uh, just a bit of wheat in the background. But as it settled, it very much reminded me of the Schneider Weiss at the end. So um, it, it gets better as it goes on. It was, I thought, it was brilliant. Yeah, really, really tasty. Thank you for sending me. Um, something different, actually. Something that's not, you know, a standard power. Yeah, it makes a change from all the pale ales and IPAs. Just a bit, yeah. yeah. Well, tr- Tracker on fire at the minute. Tra- track lost the way a few years ago, just producing hazy, n- just New England IPA after New England IPA, literally all they did. And now they're really doing a broad range of styles. I, I noticed today they've just tweeted today about ca- canning a beer that very much sounds like... Corvallis or, you know, that, that kind of style of beer that everyone's trying at the minute, going back to a, basically an old LIPA kind of clone uh, sort of style, um, which is great to see after all those years of New England IPAs. But any style that cracked on the hand to at the minute has been superb. Is They've that... gone, back, gone back to being one of the best in the country after oh, really losing the way. I was going to say, do you think that's a that's a sign of a of a brewery kind of maturing and coming of age, do you think? Or, or, or do you think it's also reflective that they've because they've moved around a fair bit, haven't they? Yeah, I think they must be very settled in the new home, yeah. and the new kit now. Um, and they all, always just felt like they were just, dare I say, just trying to be Cloudwater. And remarkably, as they've moved like three doors down from Cloudwater, they suddenly feel like a very, very separate brewery for the first time rather than just being. So when Cloudwater were doing double IPA after double IPA, that's all that Crack were doing as well, just not as well. If mm. you liked that kind of mm. style, and I was like, "But what? What? You know, what?" People know how dear Sonoma is to me, and it's like you're such a good brewery. You are better than this. I know that you are, and they're they're just proving how brilliant they are at the minute. I think they're fantastic. I think this this beer proves it as as, as well. Like like I say, I mean, you, you know, I'm enjoying it and. Were were it a little bit warmer at the moment? I think this would be like the perfect summer crusher as as well. Because I think at that that ABV five point seven percent, it's it's properly crushable. Are you saying that on a on a hot day? I'm know? I'm not <laughs> saying that at all. I'm just saying if it was a little I, I, I bit. I heard warm. that rock. Did you hear that rock? Oh, I heard right. that. I heard that. Just maybe, ticking, maybe, off, the, ticking maybe, off the old opinions, bingo. <laughs> maybe if maybe if Mark was still in shorts, you know, this would be the perfect the the, the perfect <laughs> beer for that occasion. While we finish these first beers, then let's have a chat about what we've been up to this last month. Now I'm I'm going to jump in here to say, other than the one thing that the three of us all did, which we'll come on to, I've done nothing else this this month apart from the standard, go to two brews, not eat, and then go home <laughs> and fall asleep. So that's that that's a story that I might just record that bit and just drop that into every show now. But I know that you two went off on a little adventure together and left me out. 
Um, well, so, uh, uh, you were invited just to, to make was sure. Was I? I don't remember ever being invited. Yeah, I invited you at the same time as Mark. I can get no, the reset. No, I don't think so. I don't, Rob, I don't, I don't Rob think. was feeling guilty about not inviting me to Nottingham, so he invited me. <laughs> That's not true at all. <laughs> I, 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 knew, I, I knew if I dangled the carrot for long enough, it, it, it'd bite on Nottingham again. Um, but no, by the looks of it, you two had a lovely day out. So, so why don't you tell... Uh, our listeners and 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 me, if I can bear listening to it for as long as you're going to go on about it, <laughs> about your wonderful day out that the pair of you had. Yeah, so uh, me and a uh, good friend of the show, Johnny Bearboy, decided to do one of our excursions, and we thought we'd keep it small this time, and we'd just go over to uh, to Dudley in the Black Country. So we started off at the um, at the home of Bavham's Brewery in Broyley Hill. Uh, the vine or the bull and bladder, as it's known to, to locals. Um, and then Mark joined us at the next pub, the uh, the Lamp Tavern in Dudley. I did. He, he just, he, like, I'd spoken to him, so I knew he was coming, but he still managed to just appear. It's something, <laughs> it's something he does, isn't it? He just, he just literally yeah. appears like, like an ca- apparition. He, he came through my door that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> I'd never been before. I just thought it was the only door, but it was um, my first pint of the famous Bathams bitter. Um, I went to the bar, which was very loud, and ordered it. And the person behind the bar couldn't understand my accent at all. <laughs> That's <laughs> what it's like for me, anywhere else. <laughs> um, and started pouring me something from the pump that was marked. What was it like the tri- the triple X the the Christmas X. strong beer? Yeah. And so I just thought, I'm going to have to go along with this. Maybe this is how <laughs> things are done. Yeah, but it look, turns out that the bitter was just being pulled through that pump. So we were okay. Yeah, it was, yeah they had it on in two separate ones. So, yeah, I, 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 I was like, when when you turned up at that pub, like the, 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 the best bitter was nice, but it just wasn't anywhere near as good as it was at, at, at the Vine. So I was like, yeah, I need to make sure that Mark goes back there later. But anyway, so from there, from the Lamp Tavern, then we went to the Britannia, which was a new pub to me and a new pub to Johnny as well. So we got an Uber over to there and, uh, yeah, another proper pub with lots of uh, nooks and crannies and corners. And then we ended up in just in the darts room to ourselves. And funnily enough, didn't play darts. (laughs) I think that's where you experienced the Bavum smile, didn't there, wasn't it, Mark? I had a bathing mild in there, so I've got the when I say the full roster because they've got two much. Well, the other one's only on at Christmas, and the sovereign was just the one that they did for the uh, was it? Yeah, it'd be for the uh, coronation, not the Queen's death. And then we went from the Britannia to the Beacon, we did, yeah, which and, is the so, home of Sarah Hughes Brewery. Yeah, so we, we went straight for the uh, the dark ruby mild there. It, the, the, if, you, if you haven't been to the pub, it's just it literally is. Just like being in nineteen twenty or something, when you go go to the bar and you got to bend right down to poke your head through this little hatch, <laughs> and out come these four dimpled pint jugs of a uh, ruby mild six percent, absolute wonderful, uh, so good that uh, on Mark's Instagram post today <laughs> he forgot that he'd had it. I, f- I forgot that I had that, <laughs> but I remember the other beer, which is called Surprise. Is it? Yeah. Which was absolutely superb. What yeah, I would say about all these, all these pubs, they were absolutely gorgeous. My kind of pubs, mm. all full of separate rooms, nooks, 
or uh, thing, no, no torn down walls, but they were all really busy on a yeah, Saturday afternoon. Were, uh, uh, and they're in, you know, it's not a town centre or anything like that. These are pubs no, on, like the, the these are pubs on housing estates and things like that. Yeah. So, um, and they were really busy, really popular. I was, I was saying. You know, there's so many parts of this pub where I'd love to be sat in that room. I'd love mm. to be sat in that room, but we can't. And I'm not mad about it. I'm just so pleased to see pubs busy. Um, yeah. You know, it, the the first part of the re- I think the reason I forgot the Ruby Mild is because it was when we were basically stood up in a corner, the only yeah, corner of yeah. the only corner of the pub that we could find that was free at the time. Standard space, yeah. Whereas I remembered the second part because at that point we managed to sit down. But all I was thinking was, isn't it wonderful that uh, these um, pubs are in, in, you know, non-concentrated areas are so are so busy at, mm-hmm. time, at a time when obviously we're hearing so many horror stories. But then, people in the back country just cast love... beer. It, oh, yeah. it will get people out. Mm-hmm. Definitely, people in the black country they love cask beer, and uh, yeah, that day was proof of it. So obviously, after that, uh, I think John, John, Johnny dashed off then because he's a sensible boy. Uh, that probably would have been the right thing to do, but me, Mark, and, and Paul Donald, who was also with us, then went back to the vine. <laughs> yeah, Paul managed to upset someone straight away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I sat down and smacked my knee into the table mm. and nearly spilt all our beers. I had to get the blue roll out, but then Mark got to experience the absolute pinnacle of Bavum's best bitter. Oh, so that was that was a special moment for me. You know, I live in I live in the heart of family brewery. Bathens, you know, it's obviously that mm. part of the world's family brewer. And in Greater Manchester, we have Robinsons, Hides, Holtz, John Willies. We've got loads of them, and they they all do a good pint of, especially um, John Willies' best bitter. I absolutely love. Mm. So I'm I'm used to the pub being around pubs that. I've, so I think I've always dismissed Bathams as being a bit of a myth. They've just been like, it's just a pint of bitter, you know. It's gonna, it's gonna be all right, but um, it is a superb pint. It really yeah. is. It's, you know, if you if you get it spot on, it's it's a really well kept beer. I'm biased, but like at the Vine for me, that is just the best best bitter can be. Like uh, certain people didn't like that when I said that on Twitter, but uh, never mind. Eh? But yeah, so uh, then it didn't even end at that point. <laughs> because then, then, then uh, Mark and Paul had a nice sleep in the in, in the taxi to Birmingham, then. <laughs> <laughs> which so, didn't help. So I just uh, on my phone for a bit, pleasing myself. <laughs> yeah, and then at that point, so then we went to the uh, the Wellington in in Brum, the 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 place that pretty much birthed this this podcast really when Mark turned up in a puff of smoke. There yes, last I was summer. desperate to get back to the Wellington, which yeah. is where I turned up for. Summer sesh last year and the the night that yes birthed beer longing as it were. So at that point, me and Mark were down down we were down from four to three and then to two by the time we got to the the Wellington. So we I'm sure we had a nice time in there. <laughs> I'm sure we did because at this point I don't really remember being in the centre of yeah. and, and, um... and why is that, Mark? Why don't you remember? <laughs> I'm going to blame it on the fact that I had breakfast at about half past nine and then didn't yeah. eat again for the rest yeah. of the day. That no, no food I, special was going to get you every the time. absolute classic. I, I did a sensible uh, thing and I met up with Johnny at like 11 and we went for a proper breakfast. 
And then I thought, oh, I'll have a, I'll have a, I had a chaser onion cob in the first pub. And I thought, I'll just have a cob in every pub. But I didn't. But then obviously Mark just uh, went to a further extreme. <laughs> yeah, I'd, by that point, I'd, I'd had breakfast at home, got two quite long Ubers and two trains yeah. to, to meet them by the time I was... Um, not not, an easy I'd, I'd, I'd obviously to... had a train beer and stuff and a, a beer waiting yeah. at Piccadilly as well. Um, but also we, as as is tra- well is tradition, and when I say tradition, it is now a tradition. It was like, well, we're in, we're here in the centre of Birmingham. Before we leave, let's go and have a pint of Jaipur in the Colmore Tap. So we did. Was, so we did. And Very sensible bit to finish on. It was completely unnecessary. I think we're pretty much next to that point as well, because the next thing we knew, we were in McDonald's where things. I, well, I was going to say I don't remember being in the Colmore Tap. That's all. Apart from ordering the Jaipur, I don't know what we talked about. Or oh no, no idea whatsoever. Or, or, yeah. or Wellington, pretty clear. I think we pretty much just drank our beer and then went. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we went to McDonald's. Yeah, that didn't go well for me, and I don't <laughs> think it went well for you either. <laughs> no, it didn't. I don't know how much. I mean, we we have to say we've talked about serious topics on here before, and. Obviously, we promote responsibly drinking, but sometimes you do just go out and get pissed on a Saturday night. Yeah. And this is one of those occasions when I do. So I tell this story in good humor because it makes me laugh. But um, <laughs> I bought a McDonald's and it took me <laughs> three attempts <laughs> to actually get said McDonald's out of the McDonald's and back into my hotel room because the it was one of those where you order on the machine thing that they've got. Yep. And I have my own story about this as well. And the printer would run out of roll, so it wasn't printing off your sheet, so you had to memorise the number. And I was so drunk that the first time I ordered it, I just completely forgot the number and was staring at the screen and was so drunk that rather than thinking, I'll just go up to the counter and say, I've ordered this, but I forgot my number... <laughs> my train of my train of thought was to go back to the machine and order it again, which I did. <laughs> so I ordered it a second time, um, which included a cold drink. Uh, this time I memorized my number, got it in my brown paper bag, put my drink, which was like a lemonade sprite or whatever they sell there, put that directly in the bag. Which immediately, obviously, started spilling everywhere. Got, got about ten yards out the door. The ass dropped out of the paper bag, <laughs> so all the food just dropped everywhere on the floor. And I was like, "I'm having this McDonald's." So I went back and ordered it for a third time, <laughs> and, and, and eventually got that. And I think it was the same order every time. I, it'd be funny if I was actually changing it up every time. <laughs> The, the fact that I uh, lost you makes a lot more sense now. Because <laughs> while you, so I went in there, I, I put my order into the machine as well. Didn't realise it had run out of the um, the the paper. So it must have worked the first time, gone through. But I didn't see the number or anything. So I thought, oh, it hasn't worked. So I tried again, went and then my card wasn't working. I was like, well, what's going on here? And then I was trying to like put in my number because I thought perhaps like the the contactless isn't working. And then it buggered up and so I tried again and then at that point I was like just going to the bus stop now (laughs) (laughs) but it's not working and I looked around to go and tell Mark 
but he was nowhere to be seen. So he was either on one of the machines and I'd walk right past him or he was busy outside dropping his McDonald's through the bottom <laughs> of his bag. So, yeah, that was the end of the, the night for me. And the, the end of the uh, night for me. Just one eventful up, uh, bus journey. Home. Woke up in a fairly posh hotel with a bed sheet covered in Big Mac sauce. So. Oh, yeah, you, you, were, you were embarrassed to tell us about your hotel. Cause yeah, you... I got a good deal on it. So <laughs> let's put it that way. <laughs> So yes, did you enjoy listening to that, Steve? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, ev- everyone's got one of those McDonald's stories, haven't they? Uh, at the yeah. end of a at the end of a session, where you just go in there, and for the love of God, you just can't get your order right, or or, or like 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 me back in Bristol that time, couldn't actually find my way out of McDonald's after I'd ordered my food. <laughs> it was it was such a big McDonald's on so many levels that I had, I had buried myself so deep inside of it that I actually couldn't find my way out again. So, um... <laughs> uh, one thing I will say about that day is I felt a bit bad that I'd been like really secretive about it and there's just like the four of us, but like the sort of pubs you went to and then the logistics involved as well because the black, lot, the black country, yeah, the so black you... country is a forgotten place in terms of the government or anyone. No, no one cares about us. We were destroyed by uh, Thatcher in in the eighties, but I won't go into that. But uh, yeah, so but the pubs you went to are all just real cozy pubs, and for like more than four or five people, it would have been a struggle. Yeah, if, if we'd been in a group, it would have been a pain because, like yeah. I said, it was it, they were so busy. But also, even if they'd been a fifth person, getting taxis would have been a nightmare. Oh, true, Cause, yeah. Because have you ever tried to squeeze into a taxi where Rob Edwards is in the back? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because oh, God, yeah. his the knees one, are already sit, around his ears. Yeah, I did sit in the back of the one time, and it was a uh, not the most comfortable ride for anyone. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine. But for, for those for those listeners that have never met Rob, he is a very tall man. And he occupies a lot of oh, space. I'm not just tall, am I? That's the problem. I'm very wide as well. Oh, it was it was a great day, though. It was, yeah. It, it sounds like you had you had a great time, uh, and yeah, uh, just 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 a little bit jealous of, of not being able to get along. But all, all joking aside, time. all joking aside, you did invite me, but I was busy. Yeah. But it, it would have been nice to have had our second official belonging trip out out together after after our first one a yeah. couple of weeks before. Within the same month, yeah. Yeah, the three of us went to Amity Fest on the first weekend of July, and I think it's probably fair to say that we had a very good time uh, at that festival. Yep. It was lovely to watch you two having a little dance together, uh, <laughs> and it was lovely to have a little dance with a pair of you later on in the evening. It was um, <laughs> a, a most enjoyable week weekend. I, I went up on the I went up on the Friday, so I had the Friday night. Uh, at the uh, Amity's tap room and in the festival, and and then sort of both sessions on the Saturday as as well. And I, I've got to say, I really enjoyed myself. I, I liked the sort of like the small scale of the festival. I liked the fact that it didn't seem overcrowded and you can move around. And I just I just liked the setup and the vibe that Amity have, have created up there. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. Yes, yeah, so it's my first time uh, going to Amity, so it's cool just to see where the tap room is and that's a, a nice little space obviously we didn't really go in there other than when we first got there and uh one member of the party was still quite hungover from um enjoying themselves the day before so that was cool to see in there but yeah the, the whole the whole setup of it that the tents um that the breweries that they had there were di- like a lot of festivals really you do see the same 
faces. And like that's not a bad thing, but it was cool to just have a slightly different vibe, just by changing up the, the breweries that were involved, like Harrogate Brewery were there with the, doing cask and they had, they had pints. Pints were available. I like pints. Um, McCall's, obviously, we've, we've mentioned already that it's the fir- first time trying there, but and it's just a real nice setting. Like it didn't rain too much, so that was good. And to just sit outside on the hill and just look around at the post-industrial Britain was nice. Yeah, and just the the, the kind of buzz of the crowd, and mm. I think they got the music just right as as well. It was kind of a mix between live DJs playing. The music that you yeah. know and some and like a acoustic cover performance, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and, and I that, think I think that worked really well. Obviously, they definitely got it right later in the night because it seemed that several people were were filming me and Mark having having a nice time because the videos were popping up as well. Oh, I didn't know that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing is, I think one of you said you know it was a nice size; it was quite small, but actually. I think I had sort of pictured it in my head of being just dotted around the tap room, like the odd little um, key keg stand from the odd brewery just set about. And it w- I actually expected it to be much more small scale than it was. So I was actually pleasantly surprised that it was this big event with this massive few tents outside and the food vendor area. And, you know, I, I was I only arrived for the Saturday evening session and, you know, I joined this big queue to get in and thought, Oh, fantastic you know this you know, there was so many people so many more breweries than i was expecting um so it was actually a larger scale than i was perhaps had given it credit for having not done that much research and i was just like <laughs> beer festival at amity which is a really nice tap room sounds good to me yeah well, i actually, did the same thing really but actually the tap room it. was kept separate for the evening mm. and the, the tap room was just rammed and after speaking to Russ, Russ was just like, yeah, that's just just normal weekend, isn't it? You know, which is, was also really pleasant to see, especially with the Roosters Festival happening, you know, metaphorically down the road, as, mm. as it were, and a lot of people were at that, but it was really well attended, was Amity Fest, um, but not uncomfortably so as well. Yeah, nice to see familiar faces, but also a, a lot of completely different crowd there was quite like a family vibe going on i thought i ended up speaking to um a dad who's a listener of this show and stays previous shows or jim i think his name was and then his son and then like between sessions because obviously we did the um the two sessions i ended up just sat on the hill with, with, with them i think i think it's it, it it's right what you say mark about the the scale of it so yeah there was a there was a big marquee basically in the in in what is normally the the car park for for, for Amity and the surrounding um, businesses that are there as well, and, and but that was that, that was more or less full with breweries all around the edge. And I, I think again, talking to Russ, what he was saying was that basically all of the breweries that were invited were were, were people that Amity have worked with in in the last year, or or their friends of the brewery. So rather than just going for the, the the big names that they think will draw in a crowd they, they've actually gone for people they've worked with so that they can showcase their beers as as well and I think like you say Rob there was there was Harrogate Brewery who, who I don't think I've ever heard of them before that weekend um McCall's who were, were there and we, we chatted to quite a bit Neptune elusive mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Vault, Vault City 
who else was there? Vocation were there, and I'd say probably Vocation, so, um, Vocation were Tartarus as well. Yeah, yeah. Tartarus were there. At first, yeah. were there. and yeah. uh, Anthology, who had a who were Leeds based and had a Rauk beer there, which was my beer <laughs> of the festival. <laughs> of course, it was. It, it, some, <laughs> something would be horrifically wrong if that wasn't your beer of the festival. Kirkstall were there with their Sierra Nevada beers as well as their own as well, which was cool. Oh yeah, yeah. massive, yeah. Uh, massive shout out to Chris Hall as well for pointing me in the direction of the Optimum as my first beer on the Friday night. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that, Chris. Really appreciate it. But yeah, I, like I said, I think I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more in this month's reverberations because I, I know we've all got some thoughts in terms of the festival itself and how yeah. it made us feel. So we'll, we'll we'll come back to that. We'll leave that there for now because I think we've all finished our first beers and it's probably time to move on to our second round. My second beer this month is one that we've already spoke about once and that is uh, the beer from McCall's. It's called Lowlands. It's the Hoppy Pale Beer, 4.8%. Uh, picked this up at Amity Fest. Thanks to Danny for, for gifting it to us. And I just wanted to drink it because it really was uh, a revelation uh, at that festival when when I tried this. And um, I got very, very excited about this beer. And I think I raved about it potentially being the beer at a festival for me. And I'm pleased to say that four weeks later, it's still tasting um, absolutely cracking in, in the can. If not, if not a little bit crisper and a little bit more saison-y, than it, it was uh, initially. I think the Belgian yeast is really beginning to go to work there. Yeah, I think at the festival, to be honest, I was really excited that they had like plastic pints, and I was just in 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 festival mode and perhaps not paying as much attention as I did tonight. So I re- really enjoyed that. Rob, is there ever a time where you actually pay attention to anything? Um, <laughs> when when I need to. And most of the time, I don't need to. <laughs> sort of get the gist as it goes yeah, along. Just, yeah. just bimble along through no, life. You know what? I'm re- I'm reliable when I need to be. I mean, that's, that's where the, the Twitter tag, your boy, comes from. I, I will be your boy, but perhaps not my own boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I've certainly got no real interest in what you've got to say. Yeah. No, yeah. Like so I'm just going to chip in every no, now and again. That's something completely irrelevant. Well, that that's just that's completely untrue. I'm very interested in other people. Just I should perhaps be more interested in myself. I I think <laughs> part of this is possibly because I've just seen the can that you've got in your hand, and I think you're very excited about the beer that you're drinking right now. Oh, I'm having a very nice time. <laughs> it's Come on, the can tell, a few times, tell, doesn't tell us, it? Tell us, I'm tell just, us, and I'm tell just, the just, listeners. Come on. I am honestly just sat here looking lovingly at you because it's just uh this is a beer that i've not had since october 2019 and uh, as we mentioned earlier while we were at amity there was um the roosters um sudsbury buds festival going on and they bought over odell and i was like oh my god i'm gonna be so close but so far away but then luckily they also odell came and bought a load of cans with them so I have got a can of uh, Odell Bruins um, flagship ale, their ninety shilling, which is like um, it's like a, a Scottish ale. It's a take on the old uh, Scottish tax on 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 beer. So it's the the ninety shilling tax, and it's like just as good yeah. as I remember. That looks that just in the glass, and yeah. yes, this is an audio medium, but th- that glass just looks stunning. 
Yeah. So so is 90 shilling Odell's flagship beer then? Yeah. Not, I, I, not the I IPA? Think, certainly to start with, that was the, the flagship beer. They're very much... um. They're a brewery that really understands and appreciates British styles and then have done their own take on them. So, I don't know. I, I, the Odell IPA, as I've mentioned, however many times on this podcast, is just my absolute favourite beer in the world. But you know what? I was, I'm just as excited about having a, a can of this. What is it? 5. 5.3% this is. And it is a lovely sessionable beer, and it's it's very it's 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 very um it's very British taste in this beer, considering it comes from Colorado. I was going to say, what's it reminiscent of? No, I, I I kind of feel like that might be a little bit more like um, is it McEwen's Champion? It's like Ooh, that, yeah. but it's like that, but probably and and putting the, I I enjoy McEwen's Champion, especially you can normally get a few cans of that for cheap. But this is just times it by two hundred and sixty-seven. That's that's how much. This is this is wonderful. It's just oh, it's just so well made. It's just oh, there are no rough edges on this at all. It's just absolute brewing perfection. Is, is like it, is is, does it excite me as much as the the IPA? No, it doesn't. But. As you can see, I'm I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> look how look how happy he's, little face. He's so chuffed, bless him. You know what? I'm literally being I'm I'm sitting here drinking this and I'm just being taken to an Irish pub in Fort Collins down downtown Fort Collins called Lucky Joe's and I'm being chastised for drinking this instead of the IPA and it's wonderful. Because <laughs> mm. oh you're drinking that, it's only five point three percent. Oh get over yourself, it's delicious. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm, I've got another can of this in the fridge and several cans of Odell IPA, and it looks like everyone and their mom is drinking Odell at the moment. And like, uh, I'm not going to be that guy who gets annoyed because I liked it before it was cool. But yeah, I'm glad everyone else is enjoying what I uh, what I enjoy. And for the first time in several years in this country as well, I didn't think it was going to happen again. So thank you, thank you, Roosters. Just a reminder that Rob sent me a beer this month and chose not to send me an Odell beer. I didn't have them yet, Mark. No, oh, no I did. I just didn't send them. <laughs> they're, they're, they are available from several um, retailers. I got these from uh, Heat and Hops, and then everyone else has got them now. I think um, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of every bottle well, shop. Well, brilliant, yeah, brilliant advertising for everybody. Beer Central's got them. Um, Hop Hideout's got them. Some of the other ones have got them. Go some on. Of the other, some of the other ones. Yeah, some of the other ones. I'm not going to name Rain Rainville Superstore in, in Leeds have got them. I don't know. Just go and get some You just carry on, Rob. You just carry on randomly naming <laughs> bottle shops up and down the... <laughs> I, I, I am 99% certain that they were all accurate and, and do have it in stock, so go with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Rob so excited about anything in all my life. Yeah, no, you can try and bring no. me down, but I am floating on air. <laughs> Where do we go from there? I think I think there's only one place we can go from there. Welcome everybody to Route Corner with me, Smokey Johnson, where every month we'll be exploring the wonderful world of smoked beers. 
And this month we're going to Belgium to Verziet Brewery with Banjo Funeral, which is a smoked cookie dark ale at 9%. You heard that right, smoked cookie dark ale. I did, ale. yeah. I had to just take a second to just think, did Mark just say that? Um, I can't remember where I picked up this. I say Verziet Brewery, um, Belgium, not, not one that I know a lot of. Um, it's... It's a straight. It's it's a strange one because it's got all the hallmarks of like a super sweet, a brew york stout of some ways. But there is this little hint of smoke. It'd probably be a bit more stronger to other other people knocking about there. Um, quite cherryish, I would say. I think there's a lot of. Cher- I actually thought it was a cherry one, but they've put the word cookie on the bottle. I don't know what really that relates to. I'm just going to have another sip. I mean, they say it uses four times the malt of a traditional quad, which I think is what the kind of style beer they were going for. I would say it doesn't really remind me of that, but there is this lovely smokiness, but it is just a bit hampered by this sweet cherry thing that's going on. I don't I don't know if it particularly works, but I, th- I think the Belgian yeast kind of helps bring everything together. It's an interesting one, uh, and it's an- another example of smoke being used in a different way, which I'm always happy about. Um, I suppose food-wise, it reminds me of when you, uh, as a child, used to put bar- uh, bananas on barbecues. I don't know if that's still a thing anymore. That's not a criticism if you do that now. The last time I had it, I was probably about nine years old. But something about like barbecued fruit, which is really unusual, but somehow quite pleasant when you're a child. Um, yeah, it works. I'm okay with that. And we'll see if we're out corner next month. I'm I'm just really surprised that the smoked cookie thing um is from Belgium. Yeah, I, I never I never thought like pastry smoked beer would be a thing. No, which is why I was quite excited for uh, as I say every, every every kind of beer style being tried smoked once is absolutely okay with me. So pastry stout smoked beer this month is uh, an absolute joy just for the fact that it exists. Whether or not it works yeah, it kind of does, but the fact that it exists should be—it should all be given a go. So, well, while we're enjoying these three beers, let's talk about this month's—I I, want to say big issue, but it isn't really a big issue. It's just something that we wanted to talk about this month. Reverberation. Reverberation. Reverberation, reverberation, it's reverberation. And and that's, we, we've mentioned it a few times already. Um, we obviously went along to Amity Fest. We, we had a lovely time. We've, we've spoken about the setup and, and, and the feel. But I think all three of us came away from it feeling joy, but in a different way than, than maybe we've experienced in the past from, from beer festivals. Um, I, I think, I think I maybe need to quantify that a little bit. I, I, in, over the last couple of years, I think since, since we've come out of lockdown and, and, and I think probably heading into it as well, 
I, I was enjoying less and less the big beer festivals where there's there's lots of people and everybody's clamoring over the same few bars where the big names are and the big beers are. And I just started to get a little bit, I, I don't like this. This is, I, I, as, as a person, I generally don't like to be in busy spaces in any way. They, they, they make me quite anxious at, at the best of times. And when, when you add alcohol to that, you, you end up kind of, I suppose, drinking a little bit faster to calm down your nerves a little bit. And I, I think I started to think, oh, I, I just don't know whether I'm into beer festivals that much anymore. And then I went to Amity Fest and I absolutely loved every minute of it. And I I, I loved the size of it. I loved the scale. I, I loved the fact that it wasn't hype breweries, that it was brewer, there were some breweries that I'd never heard of. I loved the fact that you were able to move around without bumping into people. You could get a seat, you could hear, you could have a conversation with your friends. I, I just I just think for me, there was something about that scaling down of, of a beer festival in, into something that felt more community focused, I think. Um that, that really did it for me. I, I, I guess I... that I guess that's how that made me feel. Um, yeah, I, I think I said earlier, I think that it felt like, I can't remember whether kids were allowed or not, but it did feel like a family sort of vibe. And as you said, it's, it's that community thing. And and from what Rush said as well about involving people who who they'd worked with, it just all did seem to just contribute to just a more relaxed affair. Um, as you say, the... the the queues really for each of the bars were pretty similar. Really, there was no crazy. Oh, everyone's lining up in their hundreds to try like a hundred milliliters a trillium or something like that. Yeah, I don't think I actually queued more than about thirty seconds for any single bar. No, no, mate. I think I think the main one of the main things for me is I mean, something I've been quite critical of of beer festivals. I mean, you say for the last couple of years, it, it's probably be, the way things have gone. It's actually a, a longer space of time. It probably goes back to 2018, 2019, pre-COVID times. But if you look at, for, for example, in Indyman, there's a good benchmark. Um, the first few years that you go there, whatever brewery it was, it was a head brewer, brewer, or somebody involved in the brewery that was pouring you that beer whatever the brewery was and even the breweries that were brought in from overseas and that was the same at a lot of festivals and that was always part of the charm that you you got to talk to them about their beers you got to know those people they got to know you um and it made and that as the beer festivals got much bigger and were just happening everywhere the and i, I felt again this isn't just an attack on Indie Man, but I use Indie Man as a, a benchmark for a lot of things. It, it, in like 2018, 2019, they were relying just mostly on volunteers because breweries kind of stopped sending, they started, kept sending the beers, but because they had beers at the Great British Beer Festival in bloody America and then a beer festival in Japan and, so, and yeah. the people being, they, they, they could still send beers to festivals but couldn't actually send personnel. So, Place was relying on volunteers, brilliant volunteers, but that charm had sort of gone from it because, you know, it was just volunteers doing the best they could to just serve people and move on. Because of course mm -hmm. they, they they didn't 
have any involvement in the beer. And that sort of thing has been lacking from a lot of festivals for me. Whereas, you know, Amity, Russ was behind the Amity bar. Never mind. The, yeah, yeah. Most he would have had so much going on the weekend. But every time I went to the Amity bar, I, I got poured a beer by Russ. Roof was behind Elusive. We've mentioned Chris Orb behind Kirkstall. McCall's and Anthology, the other um, breweries that we've been mentioning, yeah. they were all uh, manned by their own personnel. Yeah. Um, and that's been, I'm not saying it was exclusive to Amity, but when I was there, I was thinking, this has been lacking from so many festivals that I've been to recently. And it makes an enormous difference for mm -hmm. them to, so like the McCall's beer you're drinking now, because we've, um, had it recommended and heard someone speak quite passionately about how proud they are of the beer, it enhances the entire mm. experience, and it did for me, uh, Amity. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 well, for one thing, I think that Rush may actually have broke some several ethical laws and cloned himself because everywhere I looked, he seemed to be. <laughs> yeah. but, but also on your point as well about that, one of the special things about festivals once a, once upon a time is that you would go to these festivals and get to talk to people. Like I remember being at the first um, Beaver Town extravaganza and New Belgium were there. And then Kim Jordan, one of the founders of the brewery was there. But then the next year I volunteered the next time. And I was on the um, I was on the crooked stave bar, and and just everyone was disappointed that I wasn't Chad Jacobson. <laughs> as as much as you, as American as, as you look. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing is though, but as well because I'm serving on a on a bar for a brewery from Denver. Um, I knew a lot about them because it's like a. Part of the world I'm very passionate about, so the, everyone was very confused by this guy with a black country accent who was talking passionately about these beers. But still, yeah, the, the, when when brewers turned up expecting to see Chad Jacobson, then it was me. Yeah, not so good. Bit of a disappointment. Mm. To say well, the I, least. I would have the, been disappointed. The, the the other thing about Amity, um, and I remember this being a point on a a a a, a a beer podcast that used to exist called Opinions. Okay. But I remember I like them. That, one. that was good. They, they, they had a discussion, yeah. and it was based around a beer festival that, and it might again, it might have been Indie Man, um, where it was a discussion about the fact that they were only using the third pint, the third mm. glasses were the only glasses available, mm. and it might it might have been that, it might have been Beaver Town Extravaganza, and uh, we weren't happy because, and I remember the the quote was. At some point in the festival, I just want to have a pint of Jaipur and chat with my friends. And where I was at the time in mentally my beer journey, in inverted commas, I was like, really at a festival? Like, just save that for afterwards. Get over yourself, you know, just <laughs> embrace what you're there for. Whereas Amity was one of those who I was like, as much as we had some nice beers throughout the day, it was absolutely secondary in some ways. Um after the first couple, I was like, nice couple of beers, but let's just go and get a pint of the McCall's and sit down because actually having to stand up and go and get a drink is getting in the way of my enjoyment of the yeah. evening. Um, and where we were, were sat was actually near the um, McCall's Amity elusive stands, for example. And mm -hmm. we, most, we mostly got beers from them 
because the other ones were like, oh, it's the other end of the room. I can't bother going all the way It wasn't a big room I, either, I, was I'm, it? I know. <laughs> but it's like, I might as well just get a pint of Oregon Trail because it's behind me. So, yeah. Um, I mean... I, I, and so I was like... Yeah. And I realised, I was like, I'm now at that point where I am just here for the event and to have fun with my friends. And actually, if I just was drinking... Uh, pints of lowlands or insert you know just nice pale ale here i would have actually been quite happy as well as good as yeah. the beer choice was there if you create a good event and that you're actually just happy to just be like i don't actually particularly care what beers are on as long as i'm having a good time um and that's where i was and that's how i felt yeah everything about that event it just like i'm a person who sometimes so socially uh anxious that if I've been at home on my own all day, I just can't face the interaction of going to the chip shop on a Saturday night. But everything about that day, there was just everything was just easy. I was mm. just ha- happy to talk to everyone, and I think it, it was just it was a safe space, wasn't it? And what more yeah. can you want really than, than than a safe space to enjoy yourself? That that's it. I think I think you've captured something there, Rob. That the the whole thing just felt so chilled and, and and relaxed. So so even to the point where, Mark, as you said earlier, you, you, you had to queue to get in, but that took about two minutes and it was... You, That's because you know, he turned up at a mysterious time in a proper smoke. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and those rare occasions where you did have to queue at a bar for, for a beer, it, it wasn't for a long time either. And I think the biggest cues I saw were for the food vendors outside. But I think what you've got to remember is it's 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 only the second year of the festival, and I'm, I'm sure that, that Russ and the team probably looking at that and going, maybe next year we need another food vendor to to help those cues down a little bit. But the the whole thing was just so chilled. And again, as I said earlier, even even the music was it was laid back, but it was upbeat, but it wasn't. It wasn't overly loud. It wasn't in your face. It was just no, you background. Could, you, could, you could have a conversation. Like it, it was like at a sensible level. Whereas I could have a conversation with with, with your partner M, who is obviously considerably shorter than me, <laughs> literally and, half the size of you, mate. And it it's... and it wasn't hard for me to talk to M. I think as well, you know, me and Rob are probably both relatively socially awkward. And the fact that we were quite comfortable to just get up and dance as the mood took us, um, as the evening progressed, um, is just a sign of how comfortable we were. Because you, I, 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 I'm speaking for Rob here as, as I'm speaking for myself, but I know that I need to be comfortable in the environment to let my hair down, as it yeah. were, and just What's like I'm, I'm comfortable in this room to yeah. just be, just be myself now and not worry about being judged or anything and. That that was that was the space we were in. I, I I'd agree with you there. It's like um, I, I'd love to have a dance, and I don't necessarily need to be under the influence of alcohol to do it, but I need to feel comfortable. Yeah, and, and as as well, being like a big dude as well, it, things can feel claustrophobic, and that's and and at no point in that festival did I feel claustrophobic. So yeah, just well done to uh, everyone involved. Well, I want to I want to bring it back because this isn't just a conversation. This isn't a reverberations. That's just oh, Amity Fest was great. This yeah. is about this is about beer festivals being relevant and 
it feels like I've been comparing certain things to Windy Man. I went into Windy Man last year thinking I'm not remotely interested in this anymore. This feels like it's from a different lifetime. And when I got there, I had the best five hours and then just left thinking, I wish I had more tickets for more sessions. I've had such a good time. And, you know, that still existed in the thirds only, you know, lots of hype breweries, busy in some rooms kind of thing. But it was absolutely superb, and I can't wait for this year. Me too, yeah. So that that kind of festival still exists and is absolutely brilliant, and I can't wait for it. So this isn't a slander of those kind of festivals at all. It's the fact that I think where where I'm at, I'm just quite happy for uh, the beer. The beer is now a bit secondary in in the in the choice, and uh, you know, a peak end is always a classic example of this. I, I know that. At least one mutual friend of everyone on this call was a bit disappointed in the beer choices at Peak Ender. It was their first time last summer because I think they thought going in it was a bit more of a beer festival, whereas I just go in and I know they they bring a certain number of casks of Yarl every year, fine ales, and that's just what if it was on throughout the entire weekend, I probably wouldn't drink anything else bar the odd pint of Jaipur. It's not a beer festival as such. It's a, it's a different kind of letting your hair down festival that involves beer, but you don't. I don't feel like you're there to just just for the beer. Um, and so Pekenda's again, especially in a different way. I, I'm not going to get to go this year. I know that at least one person on this Zoom is. Um, so there's. Loads to enjoy still in the industry. There's loads of events that can still be enjoyed, just just not in this always in the same way, and they don't yeah. normally need to be compared to each other all the time. And that's what I felt. Some somebody that perhaps feels that Indie Man's the best festival in the country right now maybe wouldn't take the same experience away from Amity Fest if they were just there for the same kind of experience. But they're not all about that, and that's. That was what was great about that weekend. I mean, you've got like the camera festivals that were touched on a little bit in in an interview this month, um, and then you've got the the Indie Man, and then the big craft beer festivals. So the festivals like Amity Fest really are just that perfect middle point that has got kind of the be- best of both, and then something extra as well, really a bit bit different. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a case of what we're not saying here is, is, is that, and I think you said this, Mark. One, one festival isn't better than the other. I mm-hmm. think it's, it, it comes down to what you're personally looking for. Uh, where I am now, I, I don't want the hustle and bustle of crowds. I, I, I don't want loud music, so that I've got a shout to talk to my friends. What I want is I want a more laid back, chilled environment, and I got that from Amity Fest, and I am absolutely one hundred percent expecting that from Peak Ender as well. I'm I'm not going into Peak Ender thinking it's a beer festival. As, as again, as you said, Mark, it's I, I go to Peak Ender. This is a a festival that has good beer and will have some music and happens to be in a field. You, you know, so I'm, and, and I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, that being said, there, there does seem to be a cracking choice of beers on on at peak end of this year, and I think I'm just going to be disappearing in my own Bermuda Triangle of Jaipur, Sierra Nevada, <laughs> and Elusive. That's that's going to be <laughs> that I'm going to be in the middle of those three somewhere. I'm, 
even the name Peak Ender, it's 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 a weekend in the Peak District, isn't it? So yeah, it's it's not about just running around getting thirds of every crazy beer. It's about enjoying yourself over the course of the weekend. Yeah, but if I want to do that, I I know mm-hmm. that there are festivals that I can go to to do that. And gotcha. you know, in and in, in days gone past, I've done that as as well. And I used to get very excited about doing the whole indie man thing. I'd you know I'd go up and I'd do sort of Friday night, Saturday day, Saturday evening. I'd I'd do a few sessions back to back. But that's that's not what I'm looking for in 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 terms of uh, a, a festival experience now, or in 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 terms of I suppose my my drinking journey. And I, this does just tie into something as well. And and I know you guys because we 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 spoke about this briefly before recording. I know I know you guys haven't necessarily seen the piece yet or digested it. But Boke and Bailey posted um uh, a, a blog today uh, about has has the excitement gone from craft beer. And the, the, this builds on a number of posts that I've seen on Twitter over the last week, where people have been asking the same things. And and I I, I don't I don't know whether it's the excitement that's gone or whether we've all just I, I think the three of us all maybe came into beer at around about the same time. So so we we were at that kind of peak craft beer, and we've, we've kind of matured a little bit, and we, you know our drinking's gone gone with us and. You know, I, I, it's not that I don't get excited by it anymore. I, I think it's just so readily available and so all around us these days that, you, you know, those opportunities when when you used to go to Indie Man and that, that would be the only place where you could try the freshest cannonball. You, you, you know, those those days are, are gone because of, because of the upsurge in tap rooms and beers available online and from all those many bottle shops that Rob mentioned up and down the country and from supermarkets <laughs> and all the rest of it. So I, I don't think it's necessarily the excitement's gone because I think there are people that are just coming into craft beer that are still very, very excited about it. And God, I would love to be that person again. I, 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 I really would. But now I'm just like, uh, you know what? I know what I like, and I know what I'm looking for, and I know where I need to go, and I'm, I'm quite happy to, 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 to do that. Well, I was gonna. There's a classic example of that this weekend just gone as we're recording, but there was something that was called the Manchester Craft Beer Festival, um, hosted in Manchester, surprisingly enough, um, and. <laughs> Well, w- once again, I had no idea it was going on, and nobody within the Manchester realm in my sort of we call it the Twitter circle, you know. And this isn't a comment on um, the current state of Twitter, but the the no nobody in my social media sphere on Twitter in the Manchester region was going. Had mentioned it was just any anything about it. Um, you, you almost wouldn't have knew. I didn't even know it was going on until the weekend came. But on Instagram, the Instagram posters making reels and content and stuff out of it went fucking mad for it. There was so much stuff coming from the 20-somethings beer Instagram crowd, and they looked like they were having the best time. They looked like it was literally like their first craft beer festival and it was this amazing exciting experience and sure they made a bunch of reels about it and that's that's what they do but that's how they enjoy and absorb beer and i was like so nobody from my kind of crowd gets excited by that sort of festival anymore but 
it looked really busy and there is still a crowd of newbies and that's i don't mean that in an insulting term i just mean that as just a general term for whom that kind of festival is really really exciting and it clearly was and hey the, uh, the list of breweries there was absolutely fantastic so they would have had an incredible time and i just looked at it and thought that's just so not for me anymore. Any of that, and it's that's the what? that's the we are beer festival, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they do. Oh, they do it in Manchester. No, okay. Yeah, yeah I think that, I think they're the ones that they just do a generic named one in every city now, don't they? Yeah, they had the Birmingham one, Beer Central, but that's not happened this year for, for some reason or other. Well, I don't know, just the culmination of the last few years, I think. But yeah, so, so but that's it. So, the, the, but it, maybe 10, 12 years ago, that kind of festival would have really, really excited me and I would have 100% been there. But I just looked at it and thought, oh, well, I'm glad everyone looks like they're having a great time. But there's no pang of FOMO, jealousy, you know, not like I'm going to get when I see you guys at Peak Ender. There's not going to be, there was nothing from me. I was like, ah. I'm I'm glad people are having a good time, but I'm also really glad I'm not there. Give them five years, and they'll all feel exactly the same way as we <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah, just, just well, yeah, in a different place. In, in terms of, is there excitement in, in in beer and festivals and that? Yeah, there is. It's just for us, it's a different sort of excitement now. Like for like both mm. uh, myself and Mark, uh, in terms of like Amity Fest. I didn't do any research at all into him in terms of who was going to be there. There's a couple of breweries I knew would be there because I know people from the breweries. But other than that, I just thought I was looking forward to going. And it, it was the first time when all three of us were in the same space since we started doing this. So that there was obviously excitement about that. So I just wanted to go and have a nice, relaxed time and just well, I think there's some different that... people. I think the fact that Steve went and just did Amity Fest says a lot in terms of yeah. Because whenever, whenever, whenever I go to anything for a city, I'm just like right. But how do I get to see more of you know? I've, I'll come to Birmingham for a festival, but how do I get to see more of Birmingham? Um, mm. But I think when, <laughs> the the fact that Steve is just like just here for Amity Fest and then to go home didn't even go into the city centre. Just felt like. I mean, that's a that's a statement right there, really. Well, I, I think part of that was largely because we drove, and yeah, the, that makes sense. Therefore, we drove straight to um, Farsley, and we 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 then kind of just parked up and were walk, walking distance from Amity. Right, but... Fifteen minute walk at the most, wasn't it from from the festival site? Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I think after after our visit at Christmas to the to the taproom, Mark, I I just wanted more of the taproom. So our our original plan was was just to do the tap room on the Friday night, but um, and but Russ was having none of that. He was like, "No, you, you're coming into the festival as well." And I was like, "All right then." So, and that and that's where Optimum happened. And eleven percent as as a first beer is always a winner, as as we know. But we've eaten, thankfully. So you yeah, you were doing pretty well when I got to you the next morning. Yeah, well, one of us was. Yeah, you well, you, you were doing well, and you, you there was a sausage sandwich waiting for me, so I I felt very well looked after. Oh, Mark's going to get upset now that he didn't get a sausage sandwich. <laughs> I was I, I was going to say I use my spare time in Leeds to visit some old haunts of mine, which you can find a wonderful <laughs> post of on my blog, 
beercomplication.co.uk. <laughs> Will you wait for the end <laughs> for that? Anyway, not, uh, see you all next here. month, guys. <laughs> Mark has left the conversation. <laughs> well, well, look, that's that, that's our views, certainly on Amity Fest and, 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 and the changing face of beer festivals and, and how we now feel about them. Obviously, you, our listeners, may have some different views. So, as you know, you can uh, use hashtag belonging to, to get in touch, or you can use our speak pipe feature and and hopefully uh share your views with us and you're featuring next month's re-reverberations just one thing to mention on re-reverberations this month and that's obviously last month we spent quite a bit of the time talking about um a change in approach from anchor in terms of them dropping their christmas out and stopping their national distribution and then within the space of four weeks we actually hear that the brewery is closing uh, which was quite a shift from one position to to another, and this this happened over literally over the period of a couple of days, where the reporting was coming out of San Francisco that they were in trouble, and it was probably all being wound up. As we recalled, I, I believe there's now that the position is now um, they're trying to raise raise the money to buy it. Is it some some of the workers are now trying to raise enough capital? to actually buy at least the IP and the recipes rather than actually the physical buildings. So that's that's moved on quite a bit, hasn't it, since since when we discussed it last month? Yeah, that's where we're up to. And I really wish them well with that venture because, I mean, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I, I think when you've kind of, kind of gone, oh, that's really sad, um, it's gone. And then someone's like, oh, we're going to resurrect it. I don't know. I kind of felt like... I don't know. I'd already made my peace with it. <laughs> if, yeah. you know, if, if, yeah. if it is people who are involved in the brewery who are going to do the brand justice, and that, yeah, that, that, true. That's, that, that's, that's very. That's a very different thing, isn't it? Yeah. I, I well, hope that it goes well for them, and you know, because it, how sad would it be to lose these these beers? Like if Anchor Steam beer is not a thing, that's just like for for all of us, as we discussed last time, it's been a seminal. Beer in a journey as beer drinkers, right? It's not. It's not. It's not a venture capitalist firm buying the brand. It's actual yeah. people yeah. that respect these beers and want to keep them alive. Wish, and that, that's not a bad thing. I wish them all the best. And realistically, we're, we're not going to get those beers, are we? But I'd like for someone to be able to get them. Well, the thing they're is, not, they're not going to pop up in Tesco again. No, no, they're not. And and I, th- there were some interesting comments that I've seen um, as this was all going on in terms of, obviously, the, the, the company that owned Anchor, Sapporo, also owns Stone Brewing. So so there was some suggestion of, well, why, why can't they just take the IP and, and, and of the, on the beers and brew them at Stone? You, you know, Stone's a massive brewery. It's not too far away. Um, th- th- that could That could possibly be... Uh, one opportunity and then the, I saw a number of people that were literally begging Sierra Nevada to to, to buy the rights to the beers and to, to start producing to them and I, I think while that's a lovely sort of like fairy tale you have to ask the question of well, how would that benefit Sierra Nevada in any way so Sierra Nevada obviously uh, th- th- those beers like the, the work of when Fritz Maytag took over Anchor that they were big influences in Sierra Nevada even being a thing, but is it a good business decision for them? Probably not. 
as much well, as we'd love them to do it. I think, yeah, and you've got to look at the sentimentalities. Um, I've seen similar comments about Keller Milan's Pale Rider and um, Thornbridge just basically purchasing the rights to one beer rather than, you know, obviously Keller Milan had numerous beers, not just Pale Rider, but it's just Pale Rider that's currently been saved. And whether that actually anchor somebody might try and save steam and the Christmas beer and nothing else because, you know, people have the, the, the amount of stories again, mostly from American bar workers have come out and said, yeah, I absolutely loved anchor. But the last time I bought such and such a beer, it took me like six weeks to get it off my fucking bar because nobody yeah. was buying it. So that, you know, it's false sentimentality. It's easy for us as well because we, you know, we weren't buying it because we didn't see it. It's sad for yeah. us. Mm. But it, again, since um, Steam and the likes went out of Tesco and um, uh, Beer Moth Shop in Manchester stopped selling Old Foghorn, the only anchor beers that I've bought is the Christmas beer. So it's false sentimentality for to me to just be like, oh my God, I'm so going to miss Anchor. And it's like, oh, that beer that you've not drunk for six years. So there is a bit of false sentimentality there. And again, some people have compared it and said, well, you said this about Kelm Island, but it went under because you weren't buying it. So... Well, you, you, you look in, in the States as well, there are a few of these like flagship brands that are just disappearing for example like new belgium took fat tire and made it in complete into a, a different beer that they thought would be more saleable and that uh, some of these brew, like american brewers that were in um exporting to us as well like i don't remember the last time that i saw sam adams boston lager anywhere no, that no. used to always be in yeah supermarkets so well, Shepherd, Shepherd well. Neen brewed that for a while didn't they they contracted yeah, brewed that true. over here yeah. And completely changed what it tasted like. Yeah, certainly when I was first drinking it, it was still coming over from the states. But it, I did stop buying it at that point. That's a good point. Yeah. Whereas, whereas I can happily say, for example, about Sierra Nevada, if I'm in Tesco's, for example, and my oh, fancy a couple of pale ales tonight, but I've not really got any anything in, mm-hmm. I'll pick up a couple of Sierra Nevadas, and that, do, that does happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas again, we've anchor and you know sam adams is the same when that was readily available it's like yeah i never actually picked them up so yeah well it, it just goes to show doesn't and, and how many times do we say you, you know about all of these things sort of use it or lose it really you know if, if people aren't mm. buying the beers the brewery's not not going to be able to make any money to be able to keep brewing the beers. It's... Changing tastes, changing changing markets, really, isn't it? People yeah. are excited about. There's a lot of big shiny stuff now, but all all, all these crazy cans with the cool pictures on, and it's it, it's a tough market. Yeah, abs- ab- absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's I mean, it's sad to be talking about that, and yeah. um, just just to echo what you both said, hoping that. Anybody that's involved in that um, comes out of it okay um, and hoping that in the long term maybe either a buyer can be found or um, we will continue to see anchor beers in in, in one way or another. Not an easy segue to to make out of that, but uh, it's time for this month's interview. We're joined this month by Dan Harvey, 
from Radio City Beer Works. Um, Radio City are based in Chelmsford, so they're quite close to, to, to me here in Essex. And Dan joins us and chats to us about uh, running the brewery, setting it up during lockdown, and how running a small business during difficult times is uh, actually proven to be quite successful for, for Radio City. Welcome to Belonging, Dan. It's great that you could join us. I know you're off the back of a really busy weekend, which which I know we're going to come on and chat about. But um, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself. My name's Dan. Uh, I'm from Chelmsford, Essex. I've lived here most of my life. Um, spent most of my life, uh, my working life, at least working up in London uh, in a finance job and kind of knew pretty early on that it wasn't for me. Um, in... I kind of found myself volunteering. I actually originally volunteering at the Camera Beer Festivals in Chelmsford because growing up here and always being in the, you know, always looking for for a kind of a pint of real ale growing up, you know, down the ale house when they opened 11 years ago. I think I was probably one of the first through the door in my uh, in my early, early mid-20s. Um, volunteering down the beer festivals, just getting involved. I kind of just found myself, um, I kind of found myself almost craving more modern styles of beer. Um, that I was experiencing while working in the city, actually, you know, so we had the kind of early, uh, some of the early Brewdog bars uh, in the city that I'd kind of go to when I was going to gigs and other kind of bars that were more craft beer focused, more keg beer focused, and just found a lack of it in in Chelmsford, obviously having volunteered for the beer festivals as well. Um, it wasn't ever, ever represented there either, and I never really understood why. And I kind of got myself into the hobby of home brewing around the same time, Um and it, 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 I think it's a very typical story you get with quite a lot of brewers. You know, they're doing they're doing sign at home brewing as a hobby, um, and it just kind of continues and continues and continues. And I guess for me, it was more I was doing it as a hobby and a genuine genuine love of beer, but also knowing I wanted a way out of of the city um, at some point in my life. I wanted a business, and actually, it was one of the first things I actually thought I actually really ever gave a shit about in life. It's something I actually enjoyed, so I thought, why not? You know, let's give it a go. Essex is pretty pretty saturated with traditional brewers there's nobody really kind of focusing on that kind of modern modern brewing style um and yeah i just i just kind of gave it a go um was taking in bottles of i guess what you can't even describe as poison to work at the time poisoning all my colleagues with it you know them telling me it was shit <laughs> <Every single time. laughs> until one until one day we went down to have a, a a pizza and a beer in farringdon and uh came back and had one of my beers and they all kind of unanimously said, bloody hell, that's better than what we just had in the pub. Um, and, and, you know, that was almost for me, like that was a turning point that was coming into late 2018. And I was like, Christ, all these, all these years of me, you know, making beer at home and playing around and practicing and trial and error and everything. And, um, cause I was, you know, self-taught off, you know, reading Andy Parker's books and YouTube art, you know, YouTube videos and stuff. Just kind of thought, oh, I've started to kind of crack this. And that's kind of when I started to take it a bit more seriously and, um i had the, the the kind of brand set up and everything so i just kind of ran with it from there really and then released my first small small batch of cans to some really good local support and effectively it just spiraled a bit out of control to to where i find myself today um, and where is that so um you you obviously run radio yep. city beer works yes indeed so i am the uh yeah i guess the the owner and and only brewer <laughs> I could, I could say head brewer i'm the owner and brewer of radio city so i started that um obviously i i, I kind of trademarked the business and stuff back in 2017 once i'd 
divide, you know, discussed a thousand different crap names with my friends, uh, and then settled on Radio City as a bit a bit of a nod to where we're from. Chelmsford being the birthplace of radio, obviously with Marconi's factory here for the first ever radio waves being sent from his factory down the road from where I live. Um, and yes, yeah, so that was 2017. I trademarked it. Didn't sell a beer until May 2019. I was kind of still throwing batches away uh, for a long, long time until I, I kind of felt that what I'd produced was. Um, I always had it in my head that it had to be worth people's money. If people are going to go to work and then they're going to they're going to come 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 home after a long day and they're going to put their hand in their pocket and buy a beer that I've produced, it's got to be worth their money. So I was really really anal about how many. Um, about how, how good the beer was going to be and how it was going to be represented well from day one. So I threw away so many batches of Prologue, uh, my session IPA, before I actually finally released one. And I, I even remember when I released it, I'd, I'd bought some pretty cheap labels, you know, because I was obviously doing it all on a, on a small scale and a budget. And I stuck them in my fridge in my flat and the next day they'd all bubbled up. The paper labels had bubbled up. So I sat there with a wooden spatula scraping the labels off of every single can, oh, which was God. absolute torment. And then I bought some better quality labels, polypropylene labels, and I relabeled all of them. That was that was the early part of the journey. Um, January 2020, I then wanted to basically upscale from my 100-litre kit to a four-barrel kit, about 650-litre. So I, I did a lot of research, went on the SIBA website, found somebody selling a kit up in Middlesbrough, uh, took a trip up there with a friend and spent a day brewing with a lad, seeing how the kit worked, seeing if it was appropriate. Um, it is very, very basic, but at the time for me, it was affordable. Um, agreed to buy it after the day brewing because it was a good, good fun day. Um, drove up to get it in a HGV. And then when I brought it back down to Chelmsford, about a week later when I was due to start moving into my new site, um, COVID happened. Everything stopped. I lost the site and it sat in the back of a HGV for um from pretty much what march until september when i finally got a new site and moved it into where we are now in radley green um, i've been there ever since brewing on this four barrel kit um and then yeah last year the bar opened and it's kind of just kind of gone from strength to strength for the minute so, so let's let's rewind to 2020 then and your, your your kit sat in the back of a truck and was was your your sat at home watching the world basically close down um yeah. Was was there a point there at which he was like, no, nah, maybe not. Maybe this isn't for me. No, if I'm honest, not really, because whilst the kit was stored, um, whilst the kit was stored, I obviously still had my little kit. So I was taking advantage of the fact that I was no longer commuting into London and I was working from home to use all that extra time to kind of get down the brewery even more and make more beer. And then obviously push out. And, and at the time, it's really funny because a lot of breweries at that time started doing online sales. And we were obviously we were obviously tiny. And obviously online sales would have been much better for us because, you know, we'd have sold a can for probably twice what we were selling it to, to the trade. Um, but I had this real, real belief that actually the trade were the ones that helped us get to where we were at that point. You know, Hopsters wrote my letter of intent to buy my beer so I could get my AWS license and stuff. Um, and I just thought to myself, why would I now cut them out when actually they probably need us more than ever? And I know that Hopsters in Chelmsford, um, every time we released a beer, they'd sell the whole batch of it, like three cases of it in about 24 hours. And often on the side of that, they'd get, you know, two or three more cans as well. If they're doing home deliveries of a minimum, people would see our beers there. They'd buy a can of it and buy three or four more cans. So I know that by doing that, it actually massively helped out the, you know, those those little indie bottle shops that helped me start my business. 
and I was pretty, I was pretty, you know, passionate about doing that and not just going for the money, which would have been selling it online and just delivering it around to Chelmsford myself. Um, so, I, so I kept busy during that time. Obviously, it's frustrating that the kit was stored and I couldn't use it. But um, in that time, I produced Deer Dance and I produced Two Way Flyover, which is one of the best beers I've done. Um, and I think right at the end, I did call, yeah, right, right at the end, I did call to be kind as well, which was the beer that we did for the um, the homeless charity in Chelmsford, uh, with a, with a proper twenty percent of the profits going to support them. So I planned that one out. Actually, the first beer I brewed on the big kit was that one. But um, yeah, I, I made the most of the time, you know. But it was it was stressful. Would you say that it went smoothly once you were able to move into your new premises with the new kit? Or was was that kind of trial and error until you could get it right to sell as well? It was it was interesting because actually my approach to it was that I actually the first like two or three beers I brewed on that kit were new beers. So I felt like I was a competent brewer at that point. Obviously I've been brewing for quite a while. I spent a lot of time researching things. And I was in a position where like, you know, I know the basics of brewing. I know the uh, the water chemistry I want to use. I'd build the recipes to 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 the right specifications for what I was looking to achieve. And I brewed um, the Call to Be Kind American Pale Ale and the Alonacy Stout. And then I think one other, I think it was the uh, Cricket Pale Ale I did. So I actually brewed a few new beers first to say that like these weren't then going to be, you know, the, the the old three beers I've done, but slightly different. And I want to get used to this kit first for something new. Dial my, dial my understanding of that kit in before I then try to re- replicate those older beers in, on a larger scale. And I learned a lot about the kit's efficiency. A lot, I learned a lot about the kind of the way the kit works, which then allowed me to implement that into the calculations for rebrewing Prologue and Deer Dance and Two Way Flyover, which meant that when I did produce those, they came out to the quality that I wanted them to, based on the based on what they were like on the small kit. That's an interesting approach, actually, because like a lot of people I've spoken to, when they have moved up onto a bigger kit, the first thing they've done is like brew their like their go-to yeah yeah Yeah, do you know what i just i just for me i was kind of thinking i don't want to try and brew prologue and then something goes wrong or the efficiency is not what i wanted it to be and i end up with a i end up with a beer that isn't prologue that i've then just got to try and find a brand for and try you know you don't want to fry if it's a good beer if there's no brewing faults there's no off flavors or anything you obviously don't you don't want to bin it because it's a decent beer but mm-hmm. I didn't want a decent beer that I hadn't planned, if that made sense. So that's why I thought I'll go the other way and almost work backwards to understand my equipment before replicating the beers I've made that I already know are, are quite popular. I didn't, you know, there's no point in me brewing a prologue on a, you know, and doing 600 litres of it when I used to do 100 and all of a sudden I've got 600 litres of a beer that people like, but it's different to the beer that they liked. You know, like, again, that's not what I'm about. It's about making sure that if people are going to be putting their hands in their pockets, they're getting what they expect. So you were able to move the kit into the brewery in September 2020? September 1st, so 2020, yeah. Kind of still in a state of semi-lockdown-ish? Yeah. Those kind of ins and outs, wasn't it? Was it? In, of, it was uh, in and out of the time, wasn't it? You know, so um, it was one of the most painful times because obviously the because I'd, grown, because I'd grown the business off the back of a, you know, a small kit using a half-barrel SS Brewtech conical fermenter, all of my custom was cans so all of a sudden i'm doing six times or more of the batch i think realistically although i had a 100 litre kit i was only producing about 60 at a time in the fermenter so i was actually doing about 10 times the batch um in the in, in actual the the fermenter and i was having to still can it with my blickman beer gun like a home brewer 
So I was down there canning for on my own for sometimes like 14 hours in the middle of fucking winter, freezing because the barn wasn't insulated back then either. It was absolutely bitterly cold. Um, and obviously with a Blickman beer gun and a, and a converted pillar drill, the failure rate's quite high. So I remember doing Alone at Sea and I must have done something like, twice. it must have been like five, 600 cans or more. Took me hours and then there was just so many failed cans. So cause I, I'd always, because it wasn't the most professional stuff, um, I'd always basically can the beer and then I would leave them to sit for a week or so just to make sure there were no then, you know, faults with the seaming. And I remember with that one it particularly, you know, you can't hide away from a stout when it's leaking out of a silver can. Silver can. <laughs> and, I, and they were just like, it was unbelievable how many of them leaked. Um, and obviously then I couldn't sell. But yeah, so I, I literally was doing it doing it off that and just continuing to sell cans and then slowly getting into kind of doing a few kegs. And as the alehouse reopened, the alehouse started taking kegs. Hops has got a, a Linda machine. They took some. There's a few bars down in Leo, in South End, like Craftwork, which took a keg. Uh, Martin III took a few kegs. So there's a few bits of that, you know, I started getting more keg sales. And um, and obviously then, uh, yeah, just kind of just kind of worked towards that and, and just growing the kind of trade market for the, for the brewery, really. So And I think you said earlier, it's it's just you that brews at, at yeah. the brewery, isn't it? And and you do that as, as well as a full-time job? Yeah, so I do everything. The brewery is, I do everything. I do the brewing, the selling, marketing, um, the only thing I don't do is the artwork because I can't draw to save my life. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, every everything in the brewery is done by me. Um, since having the bar, like sometimes the, the bar staff come down and give me a hand now, which is really nice. But yeah, from day one, it was it was just myself. And then yeah, for I, I, I was I was obviously commuting to London, um, and then coming home and doing the brewery stuff in the evenings and weekends, which has been a lot easier since since the uh, since the lockdown because I was made home based and I was obviously able to you know, finish work at five and go down there rather than get off the train at seven and go down there. So, you know, that that's that certainly helped me a lot. Um, I got questioned about it at work. You know, how can you how can you do this? And I was like, well, you know, what do you do when you get home from work? You go home and you put your feet up and you watch TV and you play with your kids or you play your Xbox, whatever you're doing. And I, I, I go and make beer and I go and clean the brewery. And, you know, that's my hobby. You know, that's my interest. So, so at what point during... Once so once you've moved in to, to, to the new site, because I I think it, it's probably fair to say as well for, for, for people that are listening is is that your site isn't actually in Chelmsford City either, is it? It's it's just outside of the city. Yeah, so it's outside it's out it's outside the city centre. I find it's really funny because um somebody asked our local camera branch recently why we weren't featured at the festival and they said we're not in Chelmsford. But I'd always argue that we are, because if you're driving in from Ongar, you see the Welcome to Chelmsford City, Chelmsford sign, about 300 metres before you get to our brewery. <laughs> so I'd always argue that we certainly are in Chelmsford. But, I mean, if you if you actually look at Chelmsford City, like, there's no brewery in Chelmsford City, like the actual city itself. Uh, the other local breweries out in Great Bardo, um, and the only other ones are a bit further out, kind of Molden Way and stuff, you know. So, um we are down the A414. It's about ten minutes out of out of the city centre. If you're driving, um, in a it's a village called Radley Green, and it's on a it's on a working farm. So, um, it's a really it's a nice little site, but it's not somewhere that we ever really have visitors because it is a working farm and it is just a production facility. Mm-hmm. So, so you've 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 got that facility, you've got it up and running, and obviously we've we've seen in 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 recent years, even even pre lockdown, that uh, a lot of new breweries were kind of opening. With a tap room, 
at, yes. at the same time because yeah. that that's the easiest way to make your money, right? Isn't it? Is you, you, you sell direct to your consumers. Yeah. So at, at what point during the, the, the post lockdown, you've just opened, you've just moved into the new brewery, brewery. At what point did you go, oh, what we need to do is we need to add a bar to this business as well? It, it was always a goal. It was always something I wanted to do. Um, the point when it came was after I, I bought a little canning machine. I spent 12 grand on like a, what was advertised as a plug and play startup canning machine to get away from this Blickman beer gun idea, right? Um, something a bit more professional, something that would do four to 600 an hour, you know, and I was obviously only doing about four, 600 times. So I thought that's an hour rather than 14 hours, you know, big time saving, going to start a web store, going to start pushing beer online. And I bought the machine and um, it wasn't what it said it was. Um, it, it was massively faulty, didn't work at all. The company kept coming down to try and fix it and never could and then tried to blame me and say that I was the problem. Um, and then when I tried to take them to court for my money back, they liquidated the company and opened up a new one. So they phoenixed the business. Um, and I basically had no one to go for. So I lost 12 grand overnight, but it felt like... Um, that's what I literally had the guy down earlier. I've, I've now found an engineer three years later who is repairing it for me. And he actually came down and affirmed everything that I said was wrong of it was. So three years later, it was actually almost like a bit liberating actually hearing that I wasn't the problem. It was their their shoddy engineering. Um, but because of that, and because that kind of went down the pan, that actually almost shut me down in 2021. That I almost That's the only point where I've ever almost given up. Um I just said, you know what? I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm going to kind of brew my way out of the problem, keep selling beer, make the money back. Um, and it, it almost highlighted for me that the other option other than an online web store was the taproom option. So I spent, um, I spent, you know, a good year and a bit looking for sites, looked at loads of sites throughout Chelmsford, made an offer on a couple that didn't get as well um, until I settled on where we are now in the Chelmsford Viaducts. And it gives me flexibility for you know, other little ventures we want to do as well, for like music festival, beer festival, et cetera. So, um, yeah, just I was just always thought to myself what do I want it to be. And I was like, ultimately, I wanted to be a social space. You know, I wanted it to be a, a place where we can sell good beer and build community and um, build kind of friendships and stuff in the city, which the city's massively lacking. And, uh, yeah, social just kind of made sense in my head. So we rolled with it. And it's just this past weekend, as we recalled, you've just you just had your first birthday uh, yeah, on the social. Yeah. It looked like you were rammed all weekend, um, yeah. which, which has got to be yeah, a good feeling sort of a, a, a year on. Joy, it was. It was, you know, because, um, yeah, I can't lie. I was, I was bloody nervous when I opened it. You know, I've, I've had people say to me, you're, you're crazy opening a bar now. I've always I've always stood by the, the the concept that there's never a good time for opening a bar, to be honest. Um, but you know, people told me I was bloody mad for doing it. But I I always believed in it. You know, I always believed that we could do something different in Chelmsford and that people would support it. And and almost from day one they did. You know, and we've had a lot of regulars. Uh, people have become regulars ever since. And the the year's gone super quick. Actually, I'm surprised just how fast it's gone. Um, and we've had a hell of a busy month. We've had events on every weekend this month. So we've had a lot of familiar faces and a lot of new faces coming in. And I, I kind of just thought, Christ, we're almost, people are almost going to be burnt out by by us at this point. Um, but yeah, they 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 all they all turned up. They all made an effort. We had people there for both of the nights. Um, we had a band on the first night, which was which was incredible. And everyone was up having a dance and, and having a bit of a party. And then we had acoustic acts throughout the day. Yes, throughout the day on Saturday, a local electronic artist um, did a playthrough of his new EP. We had Rock Kitchen there doing Korean chicken. And, um, 
yeah, it was it was just a it was just a brilliant weekend to be fair, and and financially one of the most successful we've had all all year as well. Um, and this this funnily enough, this is the best month trade we've ever had. Um, we've smashed Christmas, and weirdly April was good for us as well. We had some good events in April, but we've smashed both April and Christmas by a pretty significant number. Um, which for me, I just think it's great. You know, like a year on, and we're still growing, and we're you know. We're still doing more and more, which is um, which is really nice to see that it's uh, it's still in that kind of growth phase. So, uh, Radio City Social, the, the bar, obviously, uh, at the moment, where there's a real um, well, there's the cost of living crisis, but there's also the energy prices are crazy. Are you able to open how many times a week do you open the bar? We're open six days a week. Six days uh, a week. Yeah, six days a week. Friday, Saturday, we've got a two a.m. license as well. Um, so we're we're late night, which is something that I really wanted. Um, selfishly, I was fed up of going in because we're we're in Chelmsford, we're thirty minutes from Liverpool Street in the centre of London. Yeah, um, I was fed up of going out to gigs in the city and then having to get my last train home to not being able to have a good pint after the gig, and then getting home and everything good being closed. So I was like, well, we'll just open until two a.m. <laughs> so that people like me have got somewhere to have a decent pint when they get home. They want more, more with their friends before they say goodbye. And um, and you know, what? people have people have loved it. We get we actually get a really nice crowd come in post midnight on the weekends as well. You know, so it's um, yeah, it's good. It's good fun. So, so you must be seeing that pinch from from two sides then as well because obviously costs are increasing for you as a brewer and as as a, as a brewery to, yeah. to actually produce your beer um yeah. not just ingredients but the energy costs that that, that go alongside that as well massively but, yeah but, but then you're also seeing that increase in the utility costs to to, to run the bar yeah it, because yeah. because you're running your own bar are you able to offset that in any way or or is it literally just everything's going up everything's going up Everything's going up. It, it was more expensive than I ever imagined it would be. Um, some of our bills are insane. Um, certainly when everything went up at the brewery the other year, my my cost, my yearly costs went up just unmanageable amounts before we were able to get it capped. Um, I think it went up about, about seven or eight times. I think I was paying something like £300 a month for my electricity and it went up to about 2.1 grand a month and on a on a, on a four barrel kit you're not really making enough money to pay that so I, I effectively just stopped brewing when that when that hit and it was at that peak I just stopped I, I felt I conditioned out the beer that I had and I just didn't brew again I was like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait until this is sorted mm. um, and luckily now because we're on an agricultural site we've got our We've actually got these. We've got it capped, so we're actually in a, the brewery is now on an affordable cost for electricity. Um, and I've always been really, really conscious of overheads as well. I purposefully am on a site further out of town on a working farm, which isn't the nicest place in the world to to look at, but it's affordable. Um, and obviously, inside it's clean, so we can produce beer properly. Um, and obviously in a nice place. But, you know, you look at it from the outside, you wouldn't even know it's a brewery. You just think it's an old barn. Um, and, we, and you know, we've been behind ever since. Like the, the bar now has got two or three of my beers on. I like to keep on six. Um, but we're behind because I do have to – I am still catching up on brewing. And we've got a couple of contract brews we do for local bars as well that are obviously always my priority because I want to make sure they're stocked. Um, and then they're getting through it so quickly at the minute that I have to keep brewing more for them and – that then delays what I'm doing for the bar and, you know, um, 
it's, it, it does make it quite hard, but it's a, I'm at a point where right now we can weather the storm and survive, which is the most important thing right now, of course. And do you think that it is a storm, or you know, is is the what, what's the plan if it isn't? What's the plan if it's here to stay? If it's um, true, oh, truthfully, it's if it's here to stay. I mean, it it's not here to stay because this is the way that the financial markets work, and there's always going to be a period of time like this where it's where it's expensive, and then things will ease, and people will have more money. Um, I don't. I don't foresee the cost of brewing brewing itself becoming much cheaper because once costs go up, they very rarely come down. You know, um, and obviously with the duty changes recently, that that does make it harder. But I think I think people are going to have to just get used to paying more for their beer. Um, and obviously, as the cost of living improves, people will have more disposable income and hopefully be comfortable to do that. But um, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, the, the only thing that we can do right now is is grow the business and produce more. So that we've got more available to push out there, and and then obviously the more beer you have, the more profit you can make, um, and and just kind of just go for that really. So I'm looking at investing in um, investing again soon in the business to grow it, and uh, hopefully that then it puts in in a stronger position again. You know, so and how's the bar? Because obviously the bars increased overheads as well as the brewery. So how's how's that tackled it and approached it? The bars, the bars, fine. I mean, the bars are separate business. So they are two separate limited companies. So they are, though I do run them in, independently from each other. So the brewery is technically a, um, the, the, sorry, the bar is a customer of the brewery, um, which also gives me flexibility around the way I price things as well, which is quite good. But the bar's been, the bar's doing really well. You know, we've um, ever since day, uh, from day one, because we had the brewery and obviously the brewery had a, a decent local following, we've always been quite busy from pretty much the day we opened, you know, 22nd of July last year. Um and we we haven't even really advertised, you know, like a lot of our advertising has been word of mouth, and that's kind of how we like it. We want people in there that are our kind of people and like similar to our current customers, and that come down and want to be a part of the community that we're building. And are you seeing? Because because you've said that a couple of times now that you know you've you've had a really good month and you had a really good April as well. I think you said. Yeah. Are, are you seeing? Because obviously we hear that the cost of living impact is kicking in and people are cutting back and they're not going out as much. Are, are yeah. you seeing that? Are you seeing less people come out, or because I know I know a few times recently I've been out and I've I've been in bars and pubs and I've been like this this is quite busy and yeah. we we keep getting told people have got no money yet yeah. everywhere I'm going is busy. I do you know what I I feel the same. I think people do have money. Um, there are don't get me wrong. It's it's really weird because there's days when there's just no one. And like you know, I work at the, the three bars that are in the Viaducts and Channels, and then we all work quite collaboratively, collaboratively together. It seems quite cyclical. Like we're either all dead, or we're all busy, or then on the odd day, one of us is busy, and the other is dead, and it and it kind of switches around. It's it's really interesting. But I mean, there is money out there. You know, I know, I know, I know that the, the the cost cost of living is high is really high at the moment. But there's definitely money out there because if there wasn't money out there, people wouldn't be turning up. Um, and I think that whilst there are a lot of luxuries in life that people may be put aside when, when things are more expensive, like your mortgages and, and like the cost of food, et cetera. I think for, for our audience specifically, where for people love their craft beer and they love the social side of it, that's actually not something that they're ever willing to try and part with. They want to keep that over something else. So, you know, you might get one less takeaway a month, 
but you'll go out and spend that 30 quid or 40 quid on on a night out type thing you know so i think because we're offering that 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 kind of quality in the product and also something very different to what you'll get anywhere else in chelmsford i think people are kind of standing by that and saying you know we we want to keep this in our lives despite the fact that things are more expensive and we'll make we'll make sacrifices elsewhere do do you think you can see a point at any time in in the future where you can actually walk away from the day job or is it is is it the day job that's that, that's basically keeping the brewery going at the moment it's not it's not so both businesses are both businesses are self sufficient um but i don't take any money out of them and i never have um truthfully like so with my staff my priority on day one was making sure my staff are paid well um immediately local bars in our area put their uh, their own staff salaries up when we arrived because the staff were saying holy shit dan's paying these dan's paying his staff more than we're paying our staff and they've all gone out bollocks you know <laughs> and they've matched you know i wanted to look after the staff first and foremost and while i've got my job and that pays for my set my the things that you know i have at home um i don't need to take money out of the business so i'm focusing on using all of the all of the the money we make for growth yeah. Are are there plans to e- expand any further? What's what's in the short term future for Radio City? Yeah, there are. So um, I, I want to grow the brewery um, definitely. I mean, so obviously my biggest challenge is time because of everything I do with that. You know, although I've got a great team and a great bar manager at at the bar, I obviously still get involved quite heavily with with the organising of events and obviously the day to day stuff going on down there and and the behind the scenes stuff. So. I, I do really need to expand the brewery so that I can produce, you know, I can do one eight, nine hour brew day and produce more beer than I'm currently producing because things like the alehouse beer, the hot box beer that we do, I'm brewing them more often than I am our other beers because obviously they're getting through it so quick. I've got to keep producing that more and more. So growing the brewery is the next step for me. What we'll do is we'll put some links in the, in the show notes to where people can find out more. Uh, about the brewery and about the social. Thanks thanks very much for your time, Dan. Um, do appreciate right. you coming on and chatting to us. Thank you very much. Cheers, cheers Dan. Cheers. 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 Thank you. As always, a longer version of that interview will be available for our Patreon supporters, and you can sign up for just £1 a month uh, by clicking on the link in the show notes. Now, time for our final beer this evening, that beer that we find in the back of the cupboard or the back of the fridge. What have you gone for, Steve? I have gone for so I, I did make an original selection for for this evening, and when when your beer arrived today, I actually changed my mind on on what I was having. So because because you sent me the Hop and Vice, and then the second beer from McCall's was uh, it says it's a pal beer, but it's more of a saison. And then in the back of my fridge, I spied a can of this year's release of Elusive's Lord Nelson. And I was Ooh. like, oof, that's going to mm. make a perfect finish to that little trio of beers. So, yeah, I've gone for, for Lord Nelson. Um, this is an annual release from uh, Elusive, 6.8%. I, I love the fact, and, and this is one of those things that um, really ticks a lot of boxes for me. This this beer was originally brewed um, before Andy had a brewery, and he was still actually cuckoo brewing at places. So this was actually brewed at Weird Beard. So it was a collab with Weirdbeard originally, and he he still retains the Weirdbeard logo on on yeah. the logo on the label, which I which I think is a really nice little nod to mm. to the history of this beer. 
I've so so every year I get a couple of cans of it and I have one fresh and then I leave one and I I, I should stop drinking it fresh because I don't think it, it's it's best when it's fresh I think the Nelson um sings a little bit too loud it's a little bit too white wine grapey and it it's just too much for me but but this sort of almost four months on when it was released it's um it's settled to an absolute beautiful clarity uh beautiful oh, color look good yeah almost classic saison color and it just it just tastes amazing I think I'm going to have to buy start buying more than two cans every year, actually, and and, and leave a few more in, <laughs> yeah. in the back of the fridge. But yeah, um, I'm a big fan of Lord Nelson. Um, I'm a big fan of its heritage as well. So, uh, I'm very much enjoying this. I, th- I think I think I'm the same because I always enjoyed Lord Nelson's earlier batches, and since they started canning, I've not enjoyed it that much. But I think I've been buying like one can at a time and just going nah. No, I I haven't I haven't had it since I think the first year they canned it, and I was very much in the same boat as Steve. So I enjoyed it when I first had it when it was fresh, but I did have a couple of extra cans, and then a couple of ones free months later. I just I was drinking it, and I was halfway through. And I was thinking, I'm enjoying this so much more than I did that 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 mm. really fresh can. I think I think there was I, I remember speaking to Andy when they first started canning their beers and saying, Oh, are we gonna see Lord Nelson in cans? And I think he was concerned at the time because of the yeast that they was use, using that continues to work, that they might have exploding can issues with, with it or that it wouldn't work quite as well in the can. But I think when they switched to cans, they changed the yeast yeah, slightly that's on right. it to, to to allow it to to, to, to work in in that format and yeah i think they might may, may have done things to the hot bill and, and and what have you but definitely for me it's it's one that i've got to stop drinking fresh as soon as i get it as soon as it's released and i've got to sit back on it a little bit what so do you think? I, I think i've i've waxed lyrical enough about um lord nelson mark what's what's your last beer this month well, I've gone all in and why I wanted this segment to be included in the show when we start this podcast. I've gone for one of those. It's a, <laughs> it's a, a double Rauk beer month um, because I've gone of for... Of course it is. What else would it be? I've gone for a 500ml bottle in their original beautiful branding, Red Willow. It's their smokeless, their 5.7% smoked porter, which was one of their original beers if not the first beer they ever made and the best before date is the 1st of january 2013 i have a in for a treat i i ever bought in 2011 or 2011 or 2012 um i've got a feeling it was 2011 um oh there was such beautiful bottles red willow then um just the 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 willow tree on the can the the bottle just always made me smile and smokeless is an absolutely superb bit whatever this tastes like which I've not tasted and I'm going to taste live now uh, but it is still an absolutely superb beer so let's find out how it tastes after twelve years uh... <laughs> hmm. well <laughs> good <laughs> well it smells like mold. So that's a good start. <laughs> smoky mold. 
Oh, oh mate! God. I, saw, um, I saw the picture yeah. on your tweet, and I thought <laughs> it's going to make for a good, good listening, whatever it is. Ah, well, let's see. Uh, might only get a few sips out of this. <sighs> oh, <laughs> that, that's not a good sound. Oh, oh, it's not a good look for listeners. I know you can't see, but oh no. Oh, um, yeah, so five point seven percent smoke pot doesn't age that well. Um, not, not for that long. <laughs> it just tastes like. Um, I'm gonna have to go back in. Bear with me. <laughs> I mean, it just smells of it smells of more. It smells of a damp toilet. It, that's what it smells like. Delightful. Um, God, I hope this doesn't end up being an in memoriam episode. No, it's just it's it's like flat, just slightly vinegary, just flat, just nothing left anymore. There's no remnant. There's no kind of like oh, you can still taste what smokeless tastes like at the back of yeah. Oh, oh. Um, no, that's that's um, that's not so far. You know, when people have like these coronation and jubilee beers from 1984, that like, oh, I found this at a car boot sale. Do you think it'll still taste nice? And it's like a six percent strong dark ale or something. And you think, and they always go, oh, yeah, you really wouldn't have thought it would have survived, but it tasted really good. I'm thinking, don't talk shit. I know that you're lying, I know you are. Wait, Steve, you did one of these. I thought you were doing this on purpose. I wasn't doing it. It's just occurred to me now as I'm talking. I just I thought I remember they weren't they weren't podcast did an episode on that. Oh, it's uh, it's an they absolute good, lie. They bad either. That's the thing you can Yes, you can taste they're old and you can taste that you probably shouldn't be drinking them and that the best thing for them is to be emptied and poured down the sink. But you can pick up the odd characteristic of what it once was. I mean, I'm not... Um... Perhaps you'll have to keep one of them bottles of tally for like another 25 years or something. I am like. not buying any more tally <laughs> I've got I've got a 12-year-old bottle of tally somewhere. I can do that next month if you want. Yeah, just just a reminder. Fresh Red Willow Smokeless, even several years old Red Willow Smokeless, is a fantastic beer. This isn't a slight on the beer in general, certainly quality from Red Willow. This is just somebody who's kept a beer that shouldn't have been aged for far too long in three different shed. three <laughs> different houses. Well <laughs> un, under his a bed in his parents' house, and then a mouldy cellar, and then a shed. <laughs> So it's it's travelled. That beer's had quite the journey. Never been kept in a proper place. Never been stored properly, and has been suffered for it. So, well, well, there we go. And there's there therein lies a story for for, for listeners to uh, heed. I would say, while Rob and I sit and watch you <laughs> enjoy the I mean, rest I am of your still beer, sipping it for yeah, some reason. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's. Let's get on to the, 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 the final part of this month's show. It's the end of this belonging show, my friend. Uh, we've got just a couple of things on any other business this month. So, Mark, I know that you wanted to talk about one subject. Fucking queuing in pubs. 
what is that all about, honestly? No, just pe- people don't understand pub etiquette. The, the thing that the thing that's annoying me about this is that is it, it caused an, one of those arguments where I just felt, oh, I could, I could fall out with a lot of um, small bars here very very quickly. When people talk about queuing in pubs, we're talking about queuing in traditional pubs where it's not convenient. It's not, um, oh, I hate, I hate queuing so much. Pubs, as we all know, as you picture them, they've been existed for years, and people have just st- um, stood at the bar in rows and then behind there there is seating area once you start putting cues in place you you suddenly sat in um a seat that you've occupied for years and there's a queue forming around you and it's like why why is you know this six foot seven person in a baseball cap stood next to me in a queue wearing really small shorts rather than just standing at the bar waiting to get served why is that? Happen? Sorry, Rob. Um, no, it's all about my six foot four, mate, and my shorts are down to my knees today, so it's all right. <laughs> well, it's what, what? Why is that happening? It's the place isn't designed for that. Where it is designed, where there is this bar area for lots of people to stand up against, and that—that's my major problem with queues. Now, what I got was a lot of aggressive feedback from newer, smaller venues where that's different and what's convenient for them is when people do form a nice orderly queue and there's one person behind the bar and they're just serving. So it's not a slight or an insult and the way you run your business, it's a slight on this strange British mentality to go into 400-year-old pubs that have always served beer the same way and suddenly start standing standing in freaking queues that inconvenience the staff because the vast majority of well-trained bar staff do not like you queuing because they're actually really fucking good at their jobs and know yeah. how to serve multiple people at once and not just one person at once, which slows everything down. Stop queuing in fucking traditional pubs. Any opinions? <laughs> About traditional pubs, yeah. I, mm. I, I think it's extremely bizarre when you do go into a traditional pub and all of a sudden there is a bloody single file, which is most of the time a hindrance. I mean, you want to walk past to get to the toilet or something, you got to say, excuse me, can I walk through this queue? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I want pubs to just be pubs, and that's a bit silly. Uh, I'm sorry that um, certain small businesses uh, took your comment wrong, Mark, because I definitely feel the same. Same way as you. Perhaps it works for some spaces, and I get that. But like a pub, uh, like for 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 centuries, people just a bar. It's it's not bloody two meters wide, is it? The space for people to stand around it, and as you say, good bar staff who understand, and and then people who understand the, the art of um, polite, um, just um, eye contact. It, it always used to work, so why all of a sudden do we have to have the bloody Berlin Wall in the middle you, of the you, pub? You picture all those really traditional, full, busy pubs that we went to in Dudley, and how if you picture a queue in I'd any of those I'd love to pubs, see someone queue those. They it's be... laughable, the idea of a queue in any of those pubs, and yeah. that is what I'm talking about when I talk yeah. about the ridiculousness. Of, oh, yeah, of, definitely. None of those pubs suit a queue because it would have just started 
snaking around the wrong way of the, just blocking off corridors, toilets, seating areas. Just doesn't work. Whereas, uh, and so when people go, oh, but I don't like it when I can't get served. It's like, well, just learn how to be in a pub better. I'm sorry. But that is just the way that they've been for centuries. And for somebody then to on social media and go, oh, but I struggle to get served because the other person next to oh, shut up. Stand up for oh, it's yourself. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, honesty. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I know people say, "Oh, people can see you," which is fair enough. But still, I'm only do. I, I, I don't push in front of anyone. I wait my turn. I make sure I'm getting the attention of the bar staff in a in a polite way, just by looking at them, give them a, a wee smile or whatever. It, it's worked for centuries. You don't need to change. It's tell a, you, it's a, tell you it's what, a, it's a... Weatherspoons love a queue as well. Not that I'm frequenting. Weatherspoons, but there's very often a single foil in a Weatherspoons. I, I, so I blame them. I blame them. It's the it's the classic returning a trolley in a supermarket thing that if you're a decent person and you're at the bar, you'll go, this person was before me. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it isn't it isn't a scramble to get served. And if well, you're in just... a, if you're in a decent pub with decent people, that'll be the case. So when people say this struggle to get served, I'm like I've not struggled to get served in a, in a a place since I was twenty in a student nightclub, when every drunken knobhead was scrambling to get served first, and it was every man for themselves. Whereas, it just I find that in pubs, people go, "It was this gentleman before me, actually," you know. So I don't understand what these what places are they just talking about experiences in yates's i don't understand what that's people what, yeah, it's it's definitely a very new weird thing that is just spreading and i think it is just for, i don't know it's it there's a certain thing about certain etiquette not being passed on even when it comes to like driving your car and you get to a, sometimes it's just you just let someone through and then you go yourself and it's the same at the bloody bar yeah yeah so yeah, stop. If if sometimes there's going to be a venue where a queue is the the best option, but as we say, you go you go in these pubs, there's seating everywhere, there's nooks and crannies, and all of a sudden there's a conga line going around the old place. No, come on, just behave yourselves, stand up for <laughs> yourself, don't let people push in front of you, and just. Just be a polite human being, and you'll get served, and it's all going to be okay, and you'll have a nice time. I, I come, I, I, I do agree uh, with what you're saying. I think you, you know it is, it is weird when you walk into a bar and you see a queue uh, at the bar. It's, it's something that feels like it's reserved for airports, some train stations, and definitely holiday camps. They, they, they love, they love to queue in a holiday camp. Um, Rob, anything that you've got to add this month? Any other business from your point of view? I don't think so. I think we just need to um, touch on something that's happening a lot later in the year now, but that people might want to think about. So not just all that way in, in advance. Obviously, we've spoken about uh, Amity Fest tonight and that the three of us had a lovely time there and we've spoken about our views on festivals. And I just thought it might be nice just to mention to our listeners where we're going to be in, in the next couple of months if people want to see us and have a beer with us. So I'm going to be at Peak Ender. Uh, I, I know. You, I know you guys can't make that. Uh, I'm there 
Friday and Saturday. And I think actually I get into Bakewell on Thursday night. And there's only one place I'm going on Thursday night in Bakewell. And that's to the tap room to drink pints of Jaipur. So actually don't expect to see me too early at Peak Ender on the Friday, probably, because I'll be recovering from a very heavy Jaipur hangover. And then after that, I've not got anything until December, which we'll talk about in in, in a second. But what what about you, chaps? Have you got anything coming up that you're particularly looking forward to? Uh, Not beer-wise, really. I don't think anyone's going to see me anywhere beery like that until Indie Man in October. Well, that'll come up quicker than you think. It's the beginning of October. True, true. Practically just two weeks and two months and a week away. I'll be there on the Friday afternoon. What about you, Rob? Same, yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed that Friday afternoon last year, I have to so, say. You be, took be it long, doing, doing things Be along and on tour. I'm sure there's a separate chat that I'm not involved in where, <laughs> where you just keep arranging to do shit together. Um, okay, so you guys go to Indie Man again. Ho- hopefully mm-hmm. you'll, you'll have a, a fun time. And then... Come December, we're doing uh, not the Crimbo Crawl, if that's still what we're calling it. I was like, uh, why uh, isn't uh, it the Crimbo uh, Crawl? I don't know. It can be the Crimbo <laughs> Crawl, if, if you want. I think last year I, I, I just had a bit of fun with the, the, the name yeah. of it, but I'm quite happy for it to be the Crimbo Crawl uh, again. We're going to be in Liverpool on the 1st and 2nd of December. That's Friday night and the Saturday. Uh, still planning the route uh, uh, at the moment. In fact, we haven't even had a fucking conversation about no, the route. No, I bought my hotel in January, <laughs> so at least I'm going. <laughs> so, so, so God knows what the fuck is going on with, with, with I'll t- that I'll right tell you now. what, if, if there's somewhere that you think we should be going in in Liverpool, let us know. And yes, maybe we'll go tell there. us. We know, I think I think we know for a fact Friday night is going to be at Neptune Beer House. Yeah. Actually, that's the other thing I need to mention because I'm in Liverpool next April for uh, Taylor Swift coming into town. So if anyone's around for that, then... That's, that's fucking ages away. <laughs> Sorry, I just felt like it needed to be mentioned in some way. So. Is, is that in case anyone was wondering whether you got tickets or not? Oh, I've yeah. got fucking tickets, mate. There has been a... a, a distinct lack of Taylor Swift um, commentary on this episode so that's there, there has there has recently but we might be addressing that soon I, I understand so Stephen Rob are coming to the concert as well they're <laughs> longing on tour <laughs> well no it'll just be you and Rob then surely because hey. I don't get involved I don't oh, get by it, it, hey if Marcus secretly bought me a chicken I'll go <laughs> I'm not paying for it though <laughs> <laughs> so that just about covers off where, where where you can find us if you want beers if if, if not you people generally know where we drink um and if you are around in, a, in in our part of the country um give us a shout come say hi and um, and we're always happy to, to to have a beer with you and i think Sorry. that probably brings us to the end of uh, of this episode so you can follow me on twitter at Beer O'Clock Show for all the latest updates on the show and what I'm up to. Mark, where can listeners find you? I'm on Twitter, Mark N. Johnson, until Twitter implodes, oh. and Instagram at Mark underscore beer underscore compagation, which is the name of my blog as well. Hey, this is an exciting one this month because I can say I'm Rob underscore Edwards90 on Twitter 
and on Instagram and on Freds as well. Is it called Freds? Yeah, Freds. it is called Threads. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on that. Talk to me. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there too. Yeah. Uh, Beer o'clock shows there too. Um, that seemed like the best alternative that was being presented at the time. Oh, it's basically so, Twitter with a different name, isn't it? And and with no no character limit either. So, oh, is uh, there not? Oh, no. Okay, fair enough. For well, that, doesn't that seem to be. Say. Doesn't seem to be. So, so if um, um if Twitter does go um down down the pan, uh, we'll post where you can find us in, in anyway. We're but, out there. You can find us. We're we're still going to be around. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and remember, you can use the hashtag belonging, or you can check in the show notes for the link to the Speakpipe voicemail to get involved in future shows. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Belonging. We hope you've enjoyed the show and we look forward to hearing your thoughts on the things we've been chatting about. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. I need to prepare myself. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm floating on air. <laughs> Is that the new route currently? Never thought that I'd feel so free <laughs> on the wings of love. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that felt appropriate. <laughs>